Well, grab your Bibles and uh, I better grab some notes because I've come up here without my Bible and without my notes. So I could just tell jokes for 45 minutes, but I'm judging by that lack of response that you would rather hear something from God, from the Word. Is that true? Excellent. Fantastic. Flick your Bibles to Romans chapter 8, which is where we're up to. Can I just say, before we begin, um, a reminder to everybody, please do what you can to make sure that you are here next Sunday morning and up at Barrable next Sunday night. Next Sunday morning here is our uh, Christmas service for us, for Connect Church, if you like. The kids will be doing something special and we'll sing some carols and we'll preach a Christmas-type Christmas, Christmas type message. Uh, it'll be a great, great fun time and a good service. And then at night, um, we'd love all of us, as many as possible, to gather together and head up to Barrable for our combined service with Barrable, um, which, if you, th- if you think about it, and I was thinking about it last night, we talk about connect up, connect in, and connect out. Well, this whole season is obviously about connect up. The whole season of Christmas is, as is every day of our lives, but the whole season of Christmas is clearly about connecting with God, connect up. On Sunday morning next week, we'll connect in, and we'll be sort of focused on what we do here. On Sunday night next week, we will connect out with the community. The whole point of putting on that carol service uh, next Sunday night is for the community. So we've had fantastic uh, banners and things um, put together and uh, letterbox dropped, and we've sort of been trying to get people to know that God is alive and well, the church is alive and well, and the church is not daggy and old-fashioned, and we'd love to see you come together. So that's our message to the community, and there'll be fun, and there'll be lollies, and there'll be Santa, and all those sort of things. But at the heart of it, the message will be that God is alive and well. And uh, we'll be singing carols together. There'll be a message preached, Pastor Matt Jacoby. Any of you who listen to Rima or whatever, 96.3, uh, or who do the Thrive. Sorry, that's my fault, Sue, 96.3. Whoops, just showing my age. <laughs> um, you, you'll know Matt Jacoby is the lead singer of Sons of Korah, also a theology, a doctor of theology and a, a great man of God. He's going to preach a little five-minute message on the night. Um, three tenors are going to sing and there'll be, it'll be a, little, a lot of fun. So we'd love to see you there, please, next Sunday night. All good. All right, moving right along. Um, we're about to open the Word and have a look at the 20th message. It sounds a lot. And I look back over my notes and uh, realize that we've been hammering away at learning a new normal since March this year, uh, which is a long time. It's almost been the whole year. So this is the 20th learning a new normal message. Uh, if you've got no idea what I'm talking about, you must be visiting, welcome. Um, if you have got an idea of what I'm talking about, you'll know that we've been working our way through the book of Romans and trying to understand as much as we can about what God has placed in Romans for us to learn a different way of life, a better way of behaving, of thinking, of acting, a better way of being the type of people that God asked us to be. We're actually in Romans 8, there's 16 uh, chapters in the book of Romans so we're about halfway uh, and it's taken since March to get this far so there's plenty more to do not sure how far we'll get we'll have to wait and see how much longer I'm standing in this position as to see how far through Romans we get Uh, and by the way just drop this in your notes as well if you're here next Sunday morning we might even be able to make a little announcement about the future of the church so if you want to come along that would be fantastic love to see you there here are we here yeah we're here yeah Excellent. Romans 8, last week we looked at verses 1 to 11 and our sort of topic of discussion last week was the word revelation. 
understanding that life should not be lived in reaction to circumstances, but rather should be lived in response to revelation, God's spirit relating to my spirit. This week, let's pray, open our hearts and see what God wants to say. Heavenly Father, as we keep opening Romans and keep searching your heart for information and impartation to our hearts, we pray that this morning you would reveal something that we can learn. God, something, a word, a phrase, a a direction, a thought, something straight from you through Scripture into our hearts that we can receive, put into action, and ultimately change the way we view ourselves or life or others in response to what you're doing, Heavenly Father. God, we want to learn a new normal. We want to be the people that you've called us to be. Bless us now. Show us the truth in your name. Amen. We're going to read Romans chapter 8, verses 12. Just a few verses, 12 to 17 this week. Romans 8, 12 to 17. Says this. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to that, For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are his children, then we are his heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Romans 8, 12 to 17. What does this passage of scripture actually say? What, What do we think it really says? I summarized it for you. I think it says this, that if you and I have a real relationship with God through Christ. If you and I have a genuine connection with God through Christ, then God will lead us by his spirit and he will call you his child. And this does give you access to his whole heart, which in turn means that you and I will experience some great things and... We will share in some suffering and some tough times too. And therefore, should you choose to have this type of incredible relationship with God, you have to accept all that goes with it. The awesome experiences and the challenging, stretching, tough times. And there's an obligation to behave in certain ways do certain things all the way through the journey. That's what those five verses of Scripture basically says. That if we love God and we connect our lives to His, He says, thank you, that's the way I designed it to be. And I love you and I call you my child. 
and I gift to you everything I've got. You have access to the kingdom of God from the point you connect with God. Oh, and by the way, there'll be great seasons and really tough times. But if you choose to follow me and connect me, you get the whole lot together. So celebrate in that, in the great times and the tough times. And remember that there's an obligation for you to behave in a certain way right the way through your life, says God. Oh, I'm sorry, Tim, what did you say? That sounds a little tough. This, this loving, serving, following God thing means I've got obligations. What's with that? Obligation? Yeah, there are obligations in our relationship with Christ. Have a look at Romans 8, 12, and that's what we're going to focus on today. Learning a new normal number 20, or quite simply, obligation. Romans 8, 12 says, Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation. An obligation. But hang on, isn't obligation a bad word? Isn't obligation a nasty thing? Isn't obligation a heavy, horrible, burden thing? Well, no, not at all. And this is where we have to learn a new normal. Because I think, and I think you would agree, we as a society, as a culture, as a world, have come to think that obligation must mean heavy and onerous. Obligation actually must mean something really horrible. And we've given it this negative context, this negative flavor, and it shouldn't be that way. An obligation simply is a formal promise or vow that commits you to a particular course of action. A formal promise or vow that commits you to a particular course of action. So it doesn't have to be a heavy burden. It doesn't have to be an onerous weight on you. It doesn't have to be something horrible. Obligation, we used to call it responsibility. We used to call it loyalty, commitment, dedication, connection. Obligation. What I am expected to do as part of my relationship and connection with God through Christ. Have a think about it. All real, decent, genuine relationships are full of obligation. Full of obligation. A promise or a vow made to point us and keep us heading in the right direction. Think about the marriage relationship. Promises, vows, obligations. I love you. So I will show that by doing this. That's what the basis of marriage is. What about the parent and child relationship? I love you, so I will help to teach you and shape you as my child. And the child back to the parent, hopefully. I love you and I will respect your decision to mould me and shape me so I will behave in a certain way. Obligation is a necessary part of true relationship. And yet in our world today, we have somehow construed the word obligation to be heavy, onerous, weighty, awful. And part of it's because of our selfishness. Because we don't want to be connected to anything that could be a little bit tricky or a little bit tough. We want to do things our way. So we want to release ourselves as much as we possibly can from all obligations. And unfortunately, we try to do that with God too. And God says, no, 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 no. 
if you choose to love me, follow me, serve me, I will bless you because you're my child. But inherent in our relationship are certain obligations that I want you to fulfill, says God. Keep thinking about different relationships. Obligations, the teacher-student relationship. I will teach you if you will listen. If you'll listen, you'll learn. If you choose to remove yourself from the obligation to attend my classroom and listen and hear, you will probably not learn. You will probably not be able to pass the course. There are inherent obligations in every relationship. In the elected official, the politician, the, the voter, they have a relationship. I vote for you because I expect you to be able to fulfill what you said you would do. There's an obligation inherent in that relationship. And it's not heavy and onerous. It shouldn't be. It should just be part of the relationship. Seen as a responsibility. Seen as the underlying foundation of what makes it work. In this sense, our relationship with God is no different. Because it must contain obligations. We just read that straight from Romans eight twelve. Brothers, we have an obligation. Please note that I'm reading that too from the NIV version. And I wanted to check what other versions had to say. So I went through about 12 other versions of Scripture during the week. And if they didn't use the word observation, they used the word debtor or debt. Brothers, we have a debt. I thought that's very, very interesting. Because that comes across like, brothers, we have a debt, we are debtors. But the debt is not to the flesh ourselves, for we owe ourselves nothing and this life nothing. But we are debtors to God for all that he's done so our obligation is to stay connected to god and repay the debt make sense yeah so i played with a few other translations just to hear and understand what was being said and it adds up to the same thing sitting right in the middle of our relationship with god is an obligation to live in a certain way a sense of duty if you will i read a great quote while i was preparing this it says this the difference between delivering a result and creating just another excuse is simply a sense of duty. The difference between achieving or delivering a result and creating just another excuse is simply a sense of duty, an obligation, a responsibility, a decision in head and heart to follow through properly with what God has asked us to do. Without excuse, without, oh, I'm not sure, I'm a bit tired, I don't think I'll do that this week. Nah, that's too hard. Yes, I will do that. In good season and tough, in great day and difficult, I'll follow it through because when I committed my life to Christ, there's an inherent obligation that I will not back away from what he has laid out as the plan for my life. There's an obligation. To follow through with the things of Christ. If you're a Gilbert and Sullivan fan, any Gilbert and Sullivan fans out of interest, everyone's going, who's Gilbert and Sullivan? <laughs> it's old school musical theatre. Pirates of Penzance? Anyone ever heard of that? Yep, there's about three of us. We'll have a little sing later. <laughs> it's good. Well, if, if you haven't heard of it, it's a, it's a show. Um, you may have heard of John English. Ever heard of John English? Yeah, many years ago, in the mid-80s, this fantastic production of Pirates of Penzance, which featured John English and Marina Pryor and I think June Bronhill and Simon Gallagher. and It was a fantastic show. 
It was a modern version of a very old show called The Pirates of Penzance, written by two men, Gilbert and Sullivan, many years ago. That show, it has a subtitle. It's called The Pirates of Penzance dash The Slave of Duty. And basically the, the lead character, Frederick, the young tenor, um, which is a great role, I've sung it uh, years ago, fabulous role, he, he has a sense in his heart that he has to do the right thing. He wants to do the right thing all the time. As a, as a small child, he gets apprenticed to a pirate because his uh, nanny couldn't speak properly and was supposed to apprentice him to a pilot, but apprenticed him to a pirate instead. It's very funny if you're old. Um, <laughs> oh, come on, work with me. <laughs> I love it. It's a great show. Anyway, after he is released on his 21st birthday from having to be a pirate after his apprenticeship is finished, he instantly says to the pirates, I'm very, very sorry, but I feel duty-bound as much as I love you. You are my friends. I feel my sense of duty means that I'm now going to have to dedicate my entire life to exterminating you. So I'm terribly sorry, but let the fun begin. And that's the basis of the whole show. He has a sense of duty that despite what has happened around him, despite the circumstances, the observation of the situation, there's something deep down inside him that says, this is the right thing to do, so I'll do it. I must do the right thing. I have to do the right thing. Put it in modern terms, and so it sort of seems silly, but it, it occurred to me, so I added this in late last night. At 7 o'clock last night, I got a phone call from Nikki. I was at work. Nikki was returning from Torquay, driving home uh, after dropping Jeremy to a friend's place. And uh, she rings me to say that she's just pulled over on the side of the road because she saw a sack on the side of the road and it caught her attention. So she stopped to see what it was and there were 10 rabbits, pets, in a sack on the side of the road, clearly been dumped. Somebody's gone, stuff this, it's too hard, I can't care for 10 rabbits and just thrown them out the car. So Nikki had stopped and picked them up and was kind of going, what do we do now? (laughs) What do we do now? I said, well, take them home and give them some water and um, put the dog inside because we've got a greyhound. (laughs) Greyhound, rabbit, greyhound, rabbit. (laughs) I I can see this getting ugly quickly. Keep the dog and the rabbit separate and then give some vets or welfare a call and see if we can find a home for these beautiful little rabbits. Now, the point of that is Nikki didn't have to stop and pick up those rabbits. She could have just driven by and gone, oh, well, those people didn't want them. Leave them there. But there's something inside us that says, do the right thing. Do the right thing. And I will guarantee you, if if we stopped what we're doing right now and dedicated the rest of the day to having private conversations amongst the people that are sitting here right now, I will guarantee you that almost at every point in your life when faced with a decision, you know what's right you know what's right and what's not. And the wrestle is, will I do the right thing? The wrestle in our head and our heart is, will I do what I know to be right or can I somehow justify choosing a different option? That's what happens in our heart if we're honest about it. God says, I love you so much. I'm giving you access to the kingdom. I'm treating you as my children. You are co-heirs with Christ and you get to share in everything I've got. It's all yours. But there's an obligation 
to behave in the way that I want you to behave. Question is, can we do it? What are these obligations in our relationship with God? Clearly, the big three are the ones that we've spent much time on and you would know if we say connect up, connect in, connect out. It's based on Scripture. Love God, love your neighbor, and make disciples. They're the big three. The big three obligations that are inherent in our relationship with God through Christ are to love God, to love each other, and to get out and do the job and make disciples. But there are more obligations. And in this passage of Scripture we just read in Romans, there's just a couple. There's just three that I want to pull out just briefly and play with for a second and get us to understand. So if you're you're taking notes, the message obviously is called obligation. These are three little obligations of action and attitude that come straight out of Romans 8. Learning a new normal, stopping to think, how should I behave in a given situation? What should my life look like? How different should it be to that which it may have become? First obligation comes straight out of verse 14 in what we just read, Romans 8. says, because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So first obligation of action and attitude is to live by the Spirit of God. To live by the Spirit of God. It's an obligation inherent in our relationship with God. He says, I love you so much. Come and have access to everything. But what I want you to do is listen. I will reveal things to you, he says, by my Spirit. From me to you. And when I do that, I want you to hear it. Because if you hear it, there's a high possibility, probability that you'll obey it and you'll make it happen and it will be good for you and it will be good for the people around you and it will be good for the community and it's good for my kingdom, says God. So I want you to hear what I've got to say. Listen by my spirit, he says. Live by the spirit of God. Those who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. Right in the middle of this relationship is the essential promise, vow, commitment that if we've decided to love and serve and follow him, we have to listen. We talked about it last week with the concept of revelation and how hard it is in the life that we live and the pace that we go at to slow down and stop and say, God, you have my full attention. Speak, say what you have to say. Talk to me, reveal your truth to me and I'll do what I can to put it in place. He will keep working with you. He will keep talking to you. We know from Scripture, from experience, that God has your best interest at heart. So he will not let up in his determination to access you and to talk to you and to reveal truth to you. He's not going to stop. He's going to keep knocking at your door. Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you open the door and let me in, I will dine with you you he doesn't give up we got to keep listening to him someone said to me during the week philippians 1 6 in in an email just as an encouragement for me personally and it fits in here it says this philippians 1 6 he who has begun a good work in you will carry it on to completion he who has begun a good work in you will carry it on to completion god doesn't forget you he does not leave you on the shelf There is no expiry date. He is continuing to watch over you. So live by the Spirit of God. It's an obligation inherent in our relationship. Second one, and a tough one for a lot of us. Second obligation 
within our relationship with God is to live without fear. Verse 15, for you did not receive a spirit that makes you slave again to fear, but you received a spirit of sonship. You and I are actually obligated, obligated to live without fear. Did you know that? Christ has died and risen to defeat death and sin, to release you and I from the fear and the captivity that holds us back. The junk in our lives that overrides us and is potentially heavy enough to pull us under and hold us back and stop us from moving forward. That's the very stuff that Christ got on and off a cross to beat. And Scripture here says you're not supposed to be connected to a spirit of fear anymore. You did not go through what you went through. And more importantly, Christ did not go through what he went through so that you and I could still live in fear. We are not no longer connected to a spirit of fear. We are connected to a spirit of sonship, access to the Father that defeats fear, pushes fear out the window. That relationship that we have with God contains an obligation for us to live a life free of fear. Because in a nutshell, as hard as this is for all of us, me included, to hear and understand and put into practice, we have nothing to fear. We have nothing to fear. Once God is sitting in the driving position of my life, what can I possibly fear? The only stuff that brings fear are thoughts and emotions that shouldn't be there or things that try to crowd in that I must push out by saying, God, you're on the throne in my life. I refuse to be connected to a spirit of fear that wants to creep into my life and make me start worrying about things, make me start questioning things, make me double-guess decisions, make me look over my shoulder and think badly of people and situations. I don't need to live like that. Neither do you. Because the Bible tells us that God says you are not receiving that spirit of fear. It's gone. So live with a spirit of sonship. Now you and I are human. We mess up, we fail, we don't get this right all the time. We ask questions, we allow fear to creep into our lives. I keep asking myself right now, if I was totally honest, what what happens if I don't secure another source of employment or another direction in my life? I've faithfully stepped out and said I'm going to finish up doing this and that seems to be right and and confirmed by God by people by situation by scripture by prayer by the board by the elders by it's right it's the right thing to do and in faith we've done it but as of yet I don't have anything barging my door down saying hey we've got something for you come and do this and here's three hundred thousand dollars a year in a car uh, I'd be happy with 298, but as of yet, it hasn't happened. So if I was being absolutely honest, as I hope I always am, there is a little sneaking question that comes in the back of your head that just says, oh, okay, well, w- what happens? But when I get that little question, I have to go straight back to Scripture, straight back to this point and say, God, You told me not to live in fear. You told me that I'm not captured by a spirit of fear anymore. 
but I am full of a spirit of sonship. I am your child. I am trying my hardest to listen and hear what you have to say. I am ready, willing and able to serve. I'm ready to do what you want me to do. I'm ready to go, God. So whenever you're ready, just direct me, tell me, and, I've, and I'm, I'm there. I've got it. I'm in. Not always easy, is it? But we've got to go back to the foundations, the obligations of our relationship. And say, okay, God, what are those things you want me to sign up for? What do you want me to do? If we're prepared to learn a new normal and say, enough is enough. And I choose from this day forward to live according to the obligations that I signed up for. When I handed my life to Christ, when I said, God, you have control now. When I did that, I signed up for these obligations. So I'm not going to sneak out the back door. I'm going to stand firm in what God has asked me to do. So like Vicky said to us last week, and what, a, what an amazing message that was. If you weren't here, grab a copy of the CD and have a listen to Vicky's message, which essentially was, where am I putting my, my hope? Where am I putting my trust? Let me just reread with you a couple of the verses that she referred to in Psalm 33 because it fits so beautifully in us understanding that we can live without fear if we put our hope and our trust in Christ, not in anything else. Psalm 33, 16 to 22 says this, No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who love him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love, to deliver them from death, and keep them alive in famine. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him, our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love rest upon us, O Lord, even as we put our hope in you. It's brilliant. We've got to live without fear. Last one. Last obligation in this short passage of Scripture comes from verse 17. Now, if we are his children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings. We need to live with our share of suffering. Now, here's a very popular piece of teaching (laughs) within the Christian message. Suffering, difficulty and pain will be with you and are important. That's incredibly popular. It's not always the... uh, most successful message that any minister will preach because we don't want to hear it. We don't really develop a theology for suffering. We tend to focus on faith and hope and joy and love and peace and patience, kindness. We tend to focus on all the exciting, positive, seemingly positive things. But it's very true to say, very biblically true to say that suffering and difficulty and pain are just as important and just as exciting and just as real and just as godly as all the other stuff. It's just that we don't talk about it. We choose to ignore it. In fact, I'd go as far as to say suffering, difficulty and pain are vital to our growth and understanding 
Because that's how we learn so much about God, about ourselves, about each other, about the world we live in, through the tough times that we go through. That's when the rubber hits the road, when you work out, ah, okay, there's an area I've got to work on. Or, oh, I was actually surprisingly strong there. I didn't know that I had those reserves. These are the times where we learn so much. So part of our obligation mentioned here in Scripture, in Romans, is that you and I will share in suffering. And that's not a bad thing, and that's not because you were naughty. And it's not designed to kill you and hurt you. It's designed to make you strong and make you well. It's designed as part of God's overall package to help us to grow. Learning that we need God in our lives because we simply can't do this thing on our own, this thing called life. We don't do it very well on our own. Learning that his ways are higher than ours and that we won't always understand what happens to us. Learning that you and I are not the most important people in the world despite what we may think or the media may tell us. Learning to help and assist others as a matter of priority. All these things are lessons to learn and they all hurt. There's suffering involved in almost every facet of our growth and learning. But it's a major obligation that we are tied to as part of our relationship with God. This week I was drawn to reread uh, 1 Corinthians 15.58 after a conversation with Sam and Ali um, where Sam mentioned that she was drawn to read that particular verse and was working through it and, and read it to me. And I thought, wow, that's a brilliant verse. And I want to share it with you in this context, in the context of understanding that suffering is important and valid and that we shouldn't run from it, but we should walk through it and allow that to help shape us. 1 Corinthians 15:58 says, Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Or in the message, a different translation, this is the same verse. It reads like this. With so much going for us, my dear, dear friends, please stand your ground and don't hold back. Throw yourselves into the work of the master, confident that nothing you do for him is a waste of time or effort. So despite what might be going on, despite suffering, despite difficulty, there is a clear call from God to say, don't worry and live in fear because I'm in, in control here and don't run from this because I want you to stand firm and learn. It's part of how I'm shaping you and turning you into the people that I want you to be, says God. An obligation to remain in him as part of the relationship that we have. And what's the result of, of all of that? Just those three things. In verse 17, it goes on to say, if we are his children, then we are his heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, comma, in order that we may also share in his glory. God's got good things in store. God has good things in store. God's got the victory. God's got the plan. God knows the beginning from the end. God's got it all done. There's fantastic things in store for you as an individual, for you as an individual, for me as an individual, for you as families, for us as a church, for this community, for this city of Geelong. 
There are great things in store. But how do we get there? How do we get to share in God's glory, to be with God and witness those great things and be present when it happens and be part of it when it happens? We've got to go through the other steps first. We are obligated to stay with God and walk with God, to live in the Spirit, to be able to live without fear, to be able to share in suffering and still come out saying, God, I love you. God, you got me. And I didn't really like that moment there and that moment there really hurt, but I'm still with you, God. And I'm going to follow you all the way through because when I signed up, I recognized my obligations and I'm hanging tough with you, God. Can't wait to share in the glory. That's going to be great. But we're not there yet. So we've got to keep walking through the other stuff. Make sense? Excellent. Excellent. I want to pray this morning. Musos, you can jump back up. That'd be wonderful. I just want to pray a simple prayer this morning for our church, for any individuals that feel the need and would like some prayer, just exactly on what we just spoke about as far as I'm not sure if I'm coping too well with this thing called life or I'm not sure if I've fully understood my obligations to serve you and follow you. I'd like to know a bit more about those obligations, God, and I'd like to be able to live by the Spirit, to hear you speak, to experience some more revelation in my life. I'd like to be able to live without fear. I'd like to be able to walk through the tough days, the suffering, the difficult things with a little more godly confidence. And I'm really excited about the future, but I just need a bit of help to get through these stages. If, that, if any of that relates to you this morning, then I'd, I'd like to pray for you. I'm not going to call you out, but what I'll do, I'll just get everybody to stand up. That'll be fantastic. And just as we start worshipping God with a bit of song there, uh, I'm just going to pray and in fact, if I could have every head just sort of closed or bowed and eyes closed for a second. If any of what you just heard really resonated with you personally and you kind of feel like, yep, I, I need to work on some of that, just slip your hand up, wave to me so I know that I'm praying for something. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Excellent. Okay. There's a good number of people here this morning that needed to hear that message. And I get excited that God is alive and that God is God is scratching where we're itching. God is speaking what we need to hear. Obviously, he knows our hearts. That's fantastically exciting and encouraging that he knows where we're at. So for everybody this morning that's raised their hand, you can put your hands down again, that's cool. But you know who you are. And I pray now that God, that you will choose to link and connect yourself with God and allow him to redirect you, to remind you of your obligations, to put strength in you, to fulfill your obligations and to see great things happening. Heavenly Father, we pray right now, God, we thank you for a great morning, a great opportunity to come together and, and sing of your glory and listen to your word and pray and thank you and praise you and to be in your house, in your presence. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. What a, what a marvelous God you are. And right now, Heavenly Father, in response to your word, in response to what you have just shown us and illustrated for us from Scripture, God, I pray for those who have responded and raised their hands to say they just need a little bit of help and assistance from you in certain areas. 
in further understanding or developing their obligation to live by revelation by the Spirit of God, to live without fear, to walk in sonship with you, to claim the inheritance by making it through the sufferings and heading towards the glory that you wish to bestow upon all who follow you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I pray right now for each of those individuals that you will bless them and secure them to you, that you would allow them the grace to be forgiven and set free from anything that's holding them back and that you would help them, assist them to stand up in you, to know more about you and to walk forward in you. God, move in their lives in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit right now. Rest in their hearts. Rest in their hearts. Remove blockages and fill them with your spirit. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Praise your name. You're a mighty God. You're a mighty God and we love you. And Lord, we leave this place this morning full of you, full of joy, full of victory, full of excitement about what's coming, thankful and grateful for who you are, looking forward to the days that lie ahead. You're a mighty God. We love you and we praise you. Everybody said, amen. Have a fabulous week, everybody. Bless you. Let's just sing as we close the service. But have a great week. We'll see you back here next Sunday morning for Christmas service in the morning.